This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. When you think Steelers, boys, you think defense, right? Correct. What position do you go to? Do you go to the Tasmanian Devil in the safety? Do you go to the defensive line with Mean Joe Green and now the modern-day Cam Haywards and stuff to it? Because I go linebackers. That's where I go, too. When I go Steelers football, I go linebackers, I mean, that's, that's the unit that's been the most consistent, That is I feel the like. unit. Yeah. That should just be their nickname, the unit. James like Harrison, that. Joey, Joey Porter. Porter. I mean, these are the guys that we just remember. Lamar Woodley. You go way back Jack to the Hams and the yeah. Lamberts. Linebacker is what makes Pittsburgh Steelers football. It's the backbone of that Steel Curtain defense. And they got two great ones, and they got two question marks, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, as the starters will be at the linebacker position for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Welcome into the Steelers standard. Tom Opperman talking to you right now, this very second. Kellen Gursky and Jacob Recht with me, as always. Do you guys want to talk about the scrubs first, or do you guys want to talk about the stars? I shouldn't call them scrubs. I'm so sorry, Steelers. I didn't mean that. Do you guys want to talk about the ends first, or do you want to talk about the stars? Let's let's start on a high note. You want to talk about the stars? Of course. Devin Bush is coming back after a pretty brutal injury that derailed his 2020 season. Devin Bush got off to a little bit of a slow start in 2020. I think a lot of people around the NFL did, though. It was such a strange circumstance. When you step out onto that field— People at home, I don't think, realize this. When you step out onto that field and there's no one in the stadium and it's just completely empty, it's hard to get your juices flowing any more than it's just being a scrimmage in practice or something like that. So I think a lot of players had trouble getting up to speed of the game and adjusting to that mental speed that you need to be at to play in the NFL. But what really sucked was when he went down, he was starting to play his best Mm -hmm. football, and he might have, in the Cleveland game that he got hurt, been playing his best game of the year to that point before unfortunately going down to injury. So he comes back this year. By all accounts, he's progressing great through his rehab in the offseason. He should be a go for not just the start of the season, but he should be a go for spring training or spring training. (laughs) He should be a go for camp at St. Vincent's uh, in the fall, early fall. So Devin Bush, health-wise, it's looking good. Now it's just a matter of coming and starting and picking up where you were starting to get back to at 2020 and your rookie form in 2019 and continue to build off of that. And I think that's priority number one. And look, I think he is going to be healthy. I mean, this is all predicated on whether or not, you know, he plays at the same speed, whether he takes a step back. I don't think that he will, but obviously when you have a knee injury, you know, that's, that's always there. That possibility is always there, but you know, uh, through all accounts, his rehab's going re- really well. He should, you know, be back. Um, but if, you know, if he can play, um, you know, at even 80%, uh, I think it's a huge advantage for the Steelers. It's a huge guy that they get back. You know, I mean, they missed him for 11 games last year. I mean, that's a lot to go without a oh, guy yeah. that you traded up, you know, number 10 in, in the draft for. I mean, So that's early a, on in his career, right. too. I mean, that's a lot to, you know, miss out on. I, I think... You know, I know that everybody realizes that losing Devin Bush, losing, you know, your main, your key guy at inside linebacker, your best guy at inside linebacker, I think everybody realizes that that's a, that's a struggle, that that, you know, that, that hurt the Steelers. But I think some people kind of write it off a little bit, too, um, because, you know, he's so young and everything. But again, he is the, the, the main guy in the middle of that defense. And, um, you know, is, if you have him and he can play at 80% and he can even be 80%, as fast as he was, you know, before he got hurt, 
that again, I've made this point a couple times. That's what he is built on. That's what I think the Steelers are trying to get their defense towards is to be built on speed. And when you don't have a guy in the middle of the field that can, you know, cover tight ends or at least stay with tight ends or stay with a, you know, a couple slot guys and, and go sideline to sideline, it's tough. And, it, and if Bush can be healthy and if Bush can do that, you know, I have more confidence in this defense. I'm not saying that all the problems are fixed if Devin Bush is healthy. But, you know, if if he can go sideline to sideline and be that same kind of guy that we saw, as you know, in that Cleveland game where, you know, he had a, a half a sack, had five tackles, had a quarterback hit, like you said, Tom, probably was the best game he had played all year to that point. Yeah. If he can play like that, I have more confidence for sure. I think there were a lot of narratives at the end of the year when people were looking back at losing Devin Bush versus losing Bud Dupree once they were both out for the season with injury. But I think the most important one was, yes, we saw the numbers, but I think it can be highlighted why the numbers were so drastic was because losing Bud Dupree, you still had somewhat, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think Alex Highsmith is arguably just as good, if not better, at the outside linebacker position than Robert Spillane and Vince Williams were at the inside linebacker position. And there were times once Devin Bush went down that Vince Williams wasn't even available. So you were going with Avery Williamson and Robert Spillane, not even Vince Williams. So I think the most important narrative when you're trying to compare and contrast losing Bud versus losing Devin is the fact that even though the outside linebacker still lost Bud, there was still TJ there. And yes, teams could adjust by double-teaming TJ and not focusing so much so on Alex Highsmith. But when you lost Devin Bush, I mean, there was no one else there to kind of pick up the pieces when he went down. And that's why I think that the numbers were so drastic once he was out versus when he was playing healthy. And as we've said multiple times so so far today, that during that Cleveland game, especially, it was a dominant effort by the Steelers. What was the final score of that game? Like thirty-five to seven, I believe. Something ridiculously dominant that none of us saw coming. We all expected to have it to be a close, competitive game, and it definitely wasn't. And early on, yeah, Devin was having a great game, almost a tune-up game, if you could call it. But it all came crashing down, and I think it's a huge deal for the Steelers to be getting. Devin Bush back. I think it's a bigger deal that the Steelers are getting Devin Bush back this year than it would be had the Steelers been able to re-sign Bud Dupree. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one. And let's take a look back at his rookie season. Devin Bush, he had two interceptions. He had a forced fumble, impact all over the field, but he led the team in tackles. And that's something that I think that this uh, defense has was missing since Ryan Shazier went down with oh, his yeah. tragic injury yeah. as a guy that can just be that you know, eraser. He just goes from sideline to sideline, Kellen, like you said, and he completely uh, turns three or he makes sure that the other team gets held to three, four yards at the most yeah. gains instead of five, six, seven yards because he's just got that much extra of a step to his game. Um, he had nine tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. Doesn't do a lot in the pass rush game. Only the one sack in his rookie season and a sack uh, next year. But he isn't supposed to be doing that. He's right. supposed to be mm-hmm. that guy in the middle. The You think we were talking about how great Steelers linebackers are. Think of, uh, if you're our age, James Ferrier or Larry Foote just sitting right. in there. Well, he's way more athletic than both yeah. of those guys are and has the potential to be even better than them. It's really coming down to... This guy has the ability to be what we wanted out of Ryan Shazier, and we all know what happened to Ryan Shazier, yeah. unfortunately. But 
you trade up, like Jacob said, and, and pull the trigger on a guy like this because you believe he can be that replacement from number 50, that hole that you're missing since he went down in the middle of that defense. So, And I think another thing uh, about Devin Bush this year is I'm going to say he's going to fill out more, and that's going to sound weird because he's 230 already, 5'11". But there's such a thing as an NFL body, and I think that it's such a thing as an NFL body, and, and it takes a little bit for these guys to get to that point. Like, you look at the great rookies, and they look like babies. Mm-hmm. They look like absolute kids mm-hmm. out there. So Devin Bush, uh, in a year or two, he's going to look like a completely different build because he's just going to be lifting so much more to the standards that the uh, NFL is going to demand of him and that the Steelers are going to train him up for. So he's going to get even bigger. He's going to keep that speed. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's just that red flag of an early ACL tear. Yeah. Worries you. Is he going to be injury prone for his career or is he going to hopefully be able to just make this a blip on his radar and go on for long, long seasons for a long, long time? And the positive of that is that he's still only 22 years old. You know, I know right. that it's not good to, you know, have a, an ACL injury when you're that young. And, you know, hopefully it's not a, um, you know, a story of things to come. But when you look at him, he is only 22. And like you said, Tom, he's still got a, a ways to go. I'm sure he's probably still got a little bit of growing to do. I mean, he's only 22 years old. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you look at Bush, uh, I think, like you said, he is that eraser. And when you lose that eraser, your defense really takes a step back. When you lose, you know, a guy that, you know, you know, a lot of teams wanted and he was projected to be a first round pick anyway, a, a high first round pick. He was a top 10 draft pick. That's the type of guy you're going to get. And um, again, you know, his sideline to sideline speed makes him, um, you know, uh, it, it puts him a, a step above everybody else. And, you know, those guys that you mentioned, the Steeler, great linebackers, they weren't as athletic as he is. And uh, hopefully, you know, his athleticism doesn't take a step back with that ACL injury. But again, he is only 22. And, and we've all talked about this a lot. I think Devin Bush is due for a really big year this year uh, in his third year in the NFL um, his second full year, but his third year in total, uh, I think, you know, you could be looking at a pro bowler here. I, I think you could be looking at definitely, a guy definitely. that, um, you know, that really is surprising. And, and, you know, you mentioned that he doesn't get after the quarterback much, but the idea w- w- with drafting Devin Bush is that you have somebody beside him that, that can rush the passer. So he can take away and he can cover for whoever that guy beside him is, whether it's Vince Williams or whether it's Spillane or whoever, you know, um, whoever you were envisioning it, envisioning it being, um, he can cover for whoever that is. And I think that's the biggest thing that they lost last year. They didn't have that secure, that that sweeper, that, tacu- mm-hmm. that tackler um, that they do with, with Devin Bush. They, they, they just lost that, and having that back is a huge advantage. Yeah, definitely. And who knows, I mean – the last, the worst thing that could come of this big injury that Devin suffered last year was this kind of makes him a, a Sean Lee type of linebacker where he's just, he's this great talent coming out of school and he shows so much promise early on in his early NFL career, but then he's just bogged down by injury after injury. And you, do, you don't want that. That's obviously the last thing you want, but maybe it's a flip flip. Maybe it's the flip side. Maybe it's this was the one significant injury he's dealt with, and it's good that he got it out of the way, and maybe he's good to go. You don't know what the story is going to be on Devin Bush's career, but you're hoping for that one. And 
it's unfortunate again because Kellen, as you mentioned, you know, this is the guy that the tra- Steelers traded up for for the first time since Troy Polamalu in 2003. So that was what a 16-year period that they went without trading up in the first round to get a, a talent that they knew they wanted on their team. So that shows the importance of this guy. But it's so sad that they they lost him to his probably full capabilities without being bogged down by injuries so early on in his career. And it's just what there is no way of predicting what the narrative will be for his career. But right now, the narrative is this is the guy that the Steelers traded up for. This is the guy that the Steelers knew was going to be the focal point of their inside linebacking core or of their unit, as we're calling it now. Mm-hmm. And and the what did you say? I said the unit, the unit. Yeah. Right. This He is the focal point of the inside portion of the unit. And what's left to be said is he has to come back from this injury and pick up where he left off and kind of kind of carry that torch in terms of great linebackers in Steelers history. And we we all think he's capable of doing it because of the player he was before the injury, right? So it's just whether or not he will, but I think we're all in agreement that we think he's very capable of doing so. Now the other star in that linebacking core, that unit, is Trent Jordan-Watt. And TJ might be— Wow, I never knew it was Trent Jordan. No? And is T- that real? Or did you just make of that course, up? it's real. And TJ might not just be the best player on this defense; he might be just the best player defensively in the entire NFL. Yeah. Although Aaron Donald, yeah, something took to say. the deploy yeah. from him this year. But TJ Watt said on Twitter he's going to take it personally. He tweeted out the Jordan meme right after Aaron Donald won deploy. So you're going to get an even hungrier TJ Watt if that's something that's possible. In 2017, as a rookie, he had seven sacks. That was the last time T.J. Watt had anything less than 13 sacks in his career. He had 13, then 14 and a half, and then he had 15 last <laughs> That's year. That's nuts. He averaged a sack a game last year, 15 yeah. games, 15 sacks. Anytime T.J. Watt put on the pads and stepped on that field, he was getting at least one sack. You could have right. taken that to the bank. Uh there's not much that needs to be said as far as his game is concerned. I think it's the guy lining up opposite of him that really could – prove to stymie his production in the 2021 season because all through TJ's career he had Bud Dupree to work off of when he was a rookie Bud Dupree was the man TJ quickly passed him as far as that's concerned but always had him with him on uh, the other side and was a problem for teams that they needed to to focus on they couldn't just let him go so if he does see a lot of double teams next year, maybe even triple teams because Highsmith, who we'll get to in a minute here, isn't getting the job done, does T.J. Watt have that ability to shed two blockers at a time and continue to get at the quarterback at the pace that he does? Because he gets fatigued a little bit already. I'd say the biggest uh, criticism I'd have of his game so far is that he's not able to stay on the field all four, all three downs throughout an entire football game. Right. He gets a little fatigued. He gets a little gassed. A product, no doubt, of how hard he goes on every single down, which is right. great. But still, that's the one thing where I would kind of be like, that's something he could improve on is staying on the field more consistently, not needing that break. Right. I agree with you 100%. And, uh, you know, to answer your question, is he capable of that? I think he's capable of it. Sure. I mean, we just said that he's probably the the best, if not the second best defensive player in, in, in football right now. 
And you can make the argument, obviously, that he is the best defensive player in football. Um, but, you know, based on that, he definitely has the potential to do it. But we haven't seen him without without Bud Dupree, without Robin yet. We haven't seen him stand alone as Batman yet. We haven't seen that that movie yet. Um, we haven't seen, you know, the first installment of Batman Begins yet. We haven't seen that. <laughs> We've only seen Batman and Robin. So uh, I think he can do it. But again, it's all predicated on the fact that we haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's kind of funny, you know, we, we were talking about the inside guys, I'm sure, and we're going to get to Spillane too, um, you know, Bush and Spillane and then, and then Watt and Highsmith. That's kind of the problem you're going to run into, you know, is our, you know, I don't want to say the stiffs or the scrubs or whatever, but are the backups that are now going to be starters, are they capable of being Robin, right? Are they capable of helping out enough to make sure that your Batman is the Batman in that, in that certain position group? Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting because I think both, you know, both points and both question marks are kind of the same exact thing. You know, if, if Highsmith can't step up, um, does that hurt TJ? I think it does. And if Spillane can't step up, I think it hurts Devin Bush. It's kind of interesting because right. you have the same problem on two different levels. Yeah, I mean, to your point, Kellen, that you made earlier on about we haven't seen TJ without Bud. I mean, yes, we haven't technically but in tj's first two years it was kind of tj leading that sure. group and bud hadn't kind of come out of his shell at that point he was leading up to it and, and bud never had like a horrible horrible year bud's season low sack numbers four and a half and four and those take those came in his first two years in the nfl so we saw glimpses of what tj could do but we didn't see it in its entirety right i mean bud was always lined up opposite tj and his short time spent in Pittsburgh so far. But, I I mean, I think it's a great point that you just made about Alex Highsmith getting better, does no harm to TJ, but Bud Dupree, or I'm sorry, Devin Bush, along with Robert Spillane, I mean, it's a totally different dynamic there. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to judge Alex Highsmith and, and what he could be because it, we saw so very little of him. We, saw, we, we like to mention the one highlight, I believe, that we could agree on on last season was his second half adjustment in the Baltimore game early on in the season when he made that interception on a play that the Steelers had seen in the first half. And it was, I believe, the Ravens' first possession in the second half, and Alex Highsmith was the one who got that interception on on a good read that he made. But is that enough to say, okay, well, look, he learns, and from other people's mistakes, it wasn't even his. Is that enough to say, oh, he's going he's gonna to step in with, with no hesitation with no uh, no beat to skip, and fill in those fill in those shoes that Bud Dupree have left open. I don't think so, but I still think T.J. Watt is is capable enough. If if this is a guy who could have won Defensive Player of the Year two times in a row in the last two years, I think even without Bud Dupree, he's capable enough. The one thing that concerns me about T.J. was the goose egg that he, along with everyone else, laid in the wild card game against the Browns. If that's your first playoff game for as TJ, or I guess your second because his first was the Jacksonville game uh, in 2017. If that's your first real playoff game with real NFL experience under your belt, and you're TJ Watt, someone who could have won Defensive Player of the Year each of the past two years, that's not a ringing endorsement for you moving forward. Now, I'm not saying that's the encapsulation of his career. That's the farthest thing from what I'm saying, or the first, the furthest from what I'm saying, but. It's definitely something that I think TJ is going to kind of remind himself of to kind of maybe drive him even further in terms of his quality of play. But again, I mean, narratives are only written 
until once they've happened. So we don't really know what's going to happen with TJ moving forward. We can hope that he he keeps up this level of play, and I think he will. It's just it's how will he adjust to no Bud? How will he adjust to no real star next to him? And I think the best way to do that is for the next guy up to progress really mm. well and have a good rookie season not rookie season second season in the nfl but good first, first year starter yeah and that's of course alex highsmith who's starting on the other side of tj watt so the good news for highsmith though is you're going to see single team after single mm-hmm. team after single team after right. single team after single team because you're not the first threat as far as the offense is concerned when they look at the defense in the pass rush you're not the second threat you're not the third threat you're maybe the fourth threat maybe the fifth threat as far as <laughs> that offense is concerned when they start the season. You got to earn that respect and earn your way up that uh, chart Definitely. as far as opposing offensive coordinators view you when they make their game plan from week to week. So the great news is you can sack the quarterback a ton early on if you can beat that single coverage. Uh, you get a lot of hits in the backfield, a lot of quarterback hits if you can just beat the man in front of you. And yeah, you're going to have to make that adjustment whenever they do eventually shift over and pay a little bit more attention to you, but you're going to free up that monster on the other side and TJ Watt, like we've been saying. And also you're going to have built yourself up a ton of confidence just based on how well you've been playing, getting your name out there in the NFL. People are starting to talk about you. You got a couple, all of a sudden it's week seven and you got two or three sacks under your belt already. That looks really nice next to TJ Watt. Uh, And then of course you have all the potential in the world because you're still such a young player, but it really just starts and stops with, lining up against the man across from you and beating him one-on-one when you're Alex Highsmith and it can go from there, but that's step one. Yeah, that is step one. And, and, you know, like we've talked about, that is, you know, it's kind of the most important thing is that Highsmith, you know, has to play to his potential. And again, you know, as I've said before, potential is a dirty word because we don't really know um, what exactly he is yet. I mean, I know he looked fine in, in the games that he started and I think he impressed a little bit in the games that he started, but um, you know, he, he's got to be better. He has to do that for 16 games in order to keep, um, you know, the pressure off of TJ. By pressure, I mean the double teams off of TJ. And, you know, you can't allow teams to continue to focus on him because then you're losing your biggest strength. Um, I think the biggest strength on that defense is TJ Watt. I think that's um, that's easy to see. Yeah. Um, and you can't, you can't, you cannot lose TJ Watt. You cannot, you know, have him. Um, you know, as you said, Tom, what his lowest sack total was his rookie year. He hasn't been under 13 since then. Um, you have to have him on that pace. You have to. Otherwise, this defense is going to be rough, I, I think. I mean, if Highsmith, you know, can hold his own and get to the quarterback a lot early, I, you know, I think TJ can really, you know, still rise to the height of his powers. It's, yeah, it's, it's all remained to be said well, with Highsmith. I, I kind of have a little bit more faith in um Highsmith than I do the next guy we're going to talk about to wrap things up here on this episode and that's Robert Spillane uh, with Highsmith I think there's potential there uh I know he didn't go to a high pedigree school playing for Charlotte but he did get drafted in the third round in the NFL draft so there is pedigree as far as that's concerned uh Robert Spillane was an undrafted guy from the Mac uh, I know that became kind of a big deal throughout the season this <laughs> yeah. year as the Mac guys all took a picture together as kind of their battle cry yeah uh, but you know, it, it's the truth. You, you played at a smaller school and you didn't get drafted in the NFL. I'm going to have a little bit more skepticism of you, even though you probably had a bigger impact in the NFL last year than Alex Highsmith did. Uh, you made a name for yourself with that big hit on Derrick Henry at the goal line that 
I mean, you could hear those pads cracking mm-hmm. for miles away. Even on the radio call. Exactly. So, you know, you definitely cut your teeth in the NFL, but everybody was kind of evaluating, watching, and expecting you or and expecting the play from you to be the equivalent of a backup who has to now start because of injury. Now you, or at least how they're heading down the path right now, who knows if they're planning on taking a rookie to start, but you're the guy. You're going to come into week one, whoever the opponent is, and as far as that first offensive snap, that first defensive snap, you're the linebacker lining Mm -hmm. up next to Devin Bush. So I just don't know if I have that much faith in him. I love the potential with Highsmith. I think that keeps me hanging on. With Spillane, I just think there's no potential, and I question if he can even reach the level of a Vince Williams. And for that reason, I just – it's such a eh, move for me, you know? I just – it's hard to get excited – when I think the guy who's replacing Vince Williams can never reach that level. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it is tough. And again, we we understand why they did it. You know, younger, cheaper. We get that. Um, but again, I, I think that that criticism, I guess, in that point needs to be said. Like, you know, you don't know. I mean, I know I said you don't know what you, you have in Highsmith, but uh-huh. I think, as you said, Tom, there's more potential in Highsmith. You can For see sure. that. Yeah. Um, you know, he plays that position um, to the best of. And when you look at um, when you look at Spillane, he's not going to cover a tight end. He he just can't. He can't stick with a you know um, mm-hmm. a slot wide receiver. Not to say that Vince Williams could, um, but I think Vince or whoever you know was playing middle linebacker could do it at a, at a better level. And on top of that, you know, probably a better blitzer too was Vince Williams. You know, you're expecting Spillane to fill the shoes of Vince Williams, who was really, you know, a downhill guy, right. a get after the quarterback, stop the run type. I mean, up until he was out with COVID or concussions, he was up there with TJ Watt right. in terms of quarterback hits or tackles for loss, I believe. Right. So that's what you're expecting Spillane to come into. But Tom, like you said, he's probably never going to live up to what. Uh, Vince Williams was, especially in the last few years here in Pittsburgh. And that's um, concerning because Vince Williams isn't anything special. He was no, a fan right. favorite and he got the job done, but it's not that it's not like losing Vince Williams is the same as losing Bud Dupree. No, it's not. Right. And so that causes concern even more so because Spillane isn't even considered to be as a talent as a guy who was just a, a good role player in Vince Williams. And that's exactly why I just have so little excitement when it comes to to Robert Spillane. I think as far as any starter on that defense next year, that's the guy I circle and say, that's the one that I could really do without. That's the one that really doesn't give me any kind of excitement whatsoever, whether it be for his potential or whether it just be for his average play. But, you know, it's too unfair to just write him off before the training camp hasn't even happened yet, where he comes in as a starter. Um and I just saw a headline that said Robert Splane has his, quote, foot on the pedal this offseason. Well, so good. how could you not mm. feel comfortable with him when he's got <laughs> his foot on the pedal in the offseason? But he's got to do a lot of work. He's got to really overachieve yeah. if he wants to stay in the NFL. And when he overachieves, the best he can do is just be an average linebacker. Yeah, but right. this is your chance. And like I said, not going to write the guy off before we even start training camp. Maybe he comes in and is a very calming, steady influence on that defense but isn't that just so typical of what we're talking about here is the thing that i say is the best that he can do is be a calming steady influence there's no oh he could just be racking up tackles like jack ham out there no it's just be the rock that devin bush can 
put his yeah. anchor on as he goes and makes all the plays at that position. Right. You just have to kind of be a sure tackle, tackler at that point. I mean, there's really yeah. not much else that you can expect from Clean him. Clean up the scraps. Exactly. I think that's right. a great way to put it. Like, be the finisher if someone trips up a guy or maybe he gets free from the first level. Or make reliable, sure, yeah. Right. Make sure you're there to make the stop. I think that's the best you know description that you can be if you're if you're Robert Spillane. But I'll be honest here. If Spillane was your number three, like if he was the you know the, the third linebacker right. and he would rotate in, You'd I would be, be happy a lot with better. that. Yeah, I, a lot I would better. be 100% happy with that. I just question whether he can do it for 16 games at a consistent level, and I think that's fair. I think that's a fair criticism from all three of us. Definitely. Would you – do you guys agree with me that you have less confidence in Spillane than you do Highsmith, even yeah. though Spillane yeah, for has sure. had more playing time in the NFL at yes. least at this point? Yes. Is it because of the potential? or? Yeah, I mean, as we talked about, Spillane wasn't drafted with the, the Steelers' second pick of a draft. I mean, this guy was brought in for a reason. I'm talking about Alex Highsmith. So, yeah, I, I still have high hopes for Highsmith, a lot more so than I do for Spillane. Well, they're going to need that linebacking core to be the heartbeat of that defense if they want to keep pace with some of the teams around the AFC. And on our next episode, we're going to take a look at the Steelers, but we're going to do it with an eye to the competition, not just in the division, but all of the competition around the AFC there are seven playoff spots. There's 17 games, and I have a feeling the Steelers are going to need to make every single one count for them to have a seat at the table come playoff time. So we'll get into that on our next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Steelers Standard, whether it be at Steelers.com in the podcast version or if you're checking us out on Steelers Nation Radio. We thank you for that as well. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Gursky, I'm Tom Opperman, and we will talk to you on the next episode.